electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, Barry Minko starts a business in high school. If you work hard and you're honest, you'll do fantastic. And he becomes a sensation on Wall Street. Barry Minko made his first million by the time he was 19. From teenage millionaire, he grows up to become a nationally known fraud fighter, even profiled by the likes of 60 Minutes. He searches public records, employs private detectives, and goes undercover. But all along, Barry Minko is pocketing millions in his own perfect scam. We know fraud, and you're just fraud. He should know. Because Barry Minko acting as a fraud fighter is like having a thief guard the bank vault. In the working-class town of Reseda, California, just north of Hollywood, a 16-year-old boy is about to prove that the American dream is alive and well. His name is Barry Minko. Diagnosed as hyperactive, he's skinny and awkward and desperate for recognition. And so in 1982, when Minko is still in high school, he chooses an unlikely ticket to fame and fortune. Carpet cleaning. My name's Barry, can I help you? He borrows some money to buy a few machines, hires some friends, and working out of his garage, he opens Z-Best Carpet Cleaners. We are licensed, bonded, and insured, and we guarantee all our work 100% in writing. He's savvy enough to know that he needs to do some marketing and eventually hires Jerry Carr, who has just started her own PR firm. When I first met Barry in the beginning, when he was this young boy, he wasn't arrogant. In the very beginning, he was actually not even sure of himself. Not long after Z-Best opens for business, Minko's story is featured on a local station. Since he got his business license about four months ago, he's taken in close to $10,000. Not bad when you're 16. If you work hard and you're honest, you'll do fantastic. But in truth, it's not that easy. Joe Dominic is author of the book, Faking It in America. From the moment Barry started his carpet cleaning business, he was always, always, always in the hole, always, always having a, a crisis coming up that he had to deal with. And he would deal with it one crisis after another crisis after another crisis. And he does that by stealing. He steals and then pawns his grandmother's jewelry. He steals cashier's checks from a liquor store. He rips off his insurance company, reporting a burglary that never happened. And then there is credit card fraud. Robin Swanson gets a taste of that when she orders a $24 floral arrangement from a flower shop Minko has just bought with a friend. I gave them my credit card over the phone, and then a month later, I got the bill, and it says $601 and something, over $600. And that was on top of the $24 charge for the flowers. 
She calls the shop and is told to speak to Barry Minko. I called and he answered, and he was charming. He's, you know, and he says, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you called because um, I saw that there was a mistake. I was just getting ready to call you and I'll put through a credit right away. But no credit comes. And because she trusted Minko, she has delayed reporting the error. Now she is stuck with the charge. So I called again. Well, he was very abrupt this time. He wasn't very nice. And he said, I can't talk to you right now. That's because Barry Minko, in a short amount of time, has hit the big time in many ways. Pumping steroids and iron, he is no longer a scrawny kid by a lot. Following the news stories about him, customers and investors come pouring in. Minko is expanding his business. The Z-Best vans are everywhere. When he turns 19, he buys a big house and is driving a $60,000 Ferrari. When I was in 10th grade, my two friends got two brand new trucks. I had a 1972 Buick, which we called the bomb. They still got the 83 trucks and I got an 85 Ferrari. Well, that's what he tells the public. The truth is that Minko is in debt up to his ears. He is constantly bringing in new investors and taking out new loans to make payments on old ones. And that is called a Ponzi scheme. It was always a Ponzi scheme for Barry. Even though Barry wouldn't have known what a Ponzi scheme was if you had asked him at that time, it was a Ponzi scheme. I'm Barry Minko, president of Z-Best Carpet Cleaning. Minko knows he needs help. And so he hires Mark Moores. Moores is running his own company, matching investors to small businesses. He wanted as much money as he could get his hands on, and he offered to pay me a very, very nice commission for raising money for him. Minko tells Moores that although the public face of Z-Best is the carpet cleaning business, his real income is from insurance restoration work, fixing up buildings damaged by water or fire that it slowly escalated upward from a very modest start to maybe twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 jobs to where now he was having a chance to do million-dollar, multi-million dollar, multi -dollar uh, jobs. And he says the profit margins are huge. Investors can expect to get their money back plus 50%. So an investor could go, gee, I'm putting up a million and a half. In four months, I get my million and a half back and I get $750,000 profit. And they go, this is amazing. It's such a, it's such a great deal. Moore starts working for Minko, making sure new investors get their first return exactly as promised. I would come back to the investor with a cashier's check for all the money he invested, plus all his profit. And I go, here's your $2.2 million. And before I could walk out of the room, they would say, well, wait a minute, Mark. Do you have any other jobs that need to be done? Can I reinvest this? And they do reinvest. But still, the company is in serious financial trouble, weighed down by millions of dollars of debt. And then, salvation. A small Wall Street firm offers to host a public offering of Z-Best stock. There is just one problem. Once a decision had been made to take the company public, Barry called me into his office and said, I have a confession to make to you. And I said, what is it? He goes, one of the jobs uh, that you've been trying so hard to raise money for, he goes, one of them was a fake. And I was, you know, stunned. Moores later learns that it's not just one fake job. Minko has been faking contracts for every single restoration job. 
There has never been a real job. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Hi, terrific Tommy's here. We're going to clean your carpets. In the mid-1980s in Los Angeles, a local carpet company, Z-Best, is taking its pitch to television. I'm Bane. I'm Switch. You want to know about our two-for-one offer? The ads argue that Z-Best is different from others. It's time you called us. I'm Barry Minko, president of Z-Best Carpet Cleaning. Because it is honest. The company is doing so well, Barry Minko is preparing for a public stock offering. He is the picture of success. You know, he was driving his Ferrari, I was driving my Porsche Turbo, and we just looked like a couple of zany, yuppie bachelors. What was really happening is we were chewing our fingernails down to our elbows, uh, praying that the public offering would come in and, and come in properly. Uh, and then that would solve all of our problems. The problems are loans and lies. For years, Minko has been telling investors and banks that in addition to the carpet cleaning business, he has contracts worth millions of dollars to restore buildings damaged by water and fire. But he does not have real contracts. He has forged documents that look like lucrative contracts with a phony company he created. He uses the fake contracts to attract investors and get loans, and he always needs new money to pay off old debts. But now, Minko and Moores tell themselves that will change after the public offering. There'll be more than enough money between the offering and the credit lines that we were assured we would get once the offering was done to pay off everybody who was to use Ponzi scheme words upside down. We could pay off everybody and then just stick to the straight and narrow. But it won't be easy. Minko first needs to maneuver his fraud through the financial scrutiny of accountants on Wall Street. No problem. Mark Moores has it covered. And so I started creating documents by the dozens. Uh, over time, it was in the thousands. Making, making those restoration jobs look like a complete portfolio. Moores knows little about the contracts he needs to create, and he knows now that his mistakes are obvious. Here's the paperwork for a job in a 16-story building in Sacramento. But my favorite on this whole sheet has it with his handwriting here. I was asked by one of the auditors how many square yards of carpet were in this 16 or 18-story building. And I announced that there were 379,000 square yards of carpet. Well, if you do the math, that's about three and a half million square feet of carpet. And it would take a building about 80 or 90 stories high to have all of that. But no one catches the errors. The phony paperwork makes it through. The auditors have just one request. They want to personally see that job in Sacramento. 
On a hope and a prayer, Moores heads to Sacramento in search of a 16-story building to match the job on the phony contract. We did find an 18-story building that was virtually brand new. And I thought, look, 16, 18 ago, we're close enough. He tells the leasing agent he wants to rent a few floors, but he needs his board of directors to check out the space immediately, this Sunday, before he can sign the lease. He then slips the security guard some cash to pretend he recognizes Moores when he returns. So sure enough, the next day when we came in, and he said, hi, Mr. Moores, good to see you again, sir. How you doing? Guys did great work. Just that silly song and dance really gave a lot of satisfaction to the people doing the due diligence. It works. In December, the public offering of Z-Best sells out bringing in $15 million in capital. As the stock soars, Barry Minko is not only worth $100 million, he is now the wonder boy of Wall Street. Barry Minko made his first million by the time he was 19. Now his company is one of the hottest stocks on Wall Street. At the time, he is the youngest person in American financial history to take a company through a public stock offering. I raised $15 million from the public. The city of Los Angeles declares a Barry Minko day. I remember being on that stage, presenting Barry, and there was everyone there. Everyone from USA Today to CNN, everybody. He was the story, I think. I, I think he was the story in those days. A few months later, Minko is in negotiations to buy a large national carpet cleaning business. And that unsophisticated boy in the garage is long gone. We're on our way to being the General Motors of the carpet cleaning industry. But Barry Minko is about to meet his match. In all his success, he has forgotten about Robin Swanson, wow. which he has not forgotten about him. The Wonder Boy of Wall Street still owes her $600. She and her husband, Bill, take their case to small claims court, and then Bill heads to Minko's office to serve the papers. A few guys in the parking lot approach him. He tells them he is looking for Barry Minko. And this one guy says, well, I'm Minko. Do you know who I am? And I said, no. He said, well, I'm Barry Minko. And I said, well, good. Here's some papers for you to show up in court. You owe me $600. And he took the papers and he ripped them up, threw them on the ground, and said, that's just chump change, punk. And one of the guys pulled me around and took a swipe at me with his open hand and knocked my brand new sunglasses off. And Barry Minkow stepped on him and crushed him. And for Robin Swanson, Minko's rising celebrity status becomes even more infuriating. Just made me mad. So I called the LA Times and I said, you know, this guy's a crook and I can prove it. Days before his big deal is finalized, her story makes newspaper headlines. Behind the Whiz Kid is a trail of false credit card billings. It turns out Robin Swanton is not alone. Minko has stolen as much as $72,000 in false credit card charges. An assistant U.S. attorney decides to look into his business. Eight months later, he and his partners are indicted for conspiracy to commit fraud. I remember laying in bed and my son's dad coming up with the newspaper and saying to me, you always wanted Barry on the front of the LA Times and the Daily News and the Herald Examiner. Well, you just got your wish. The only problem is he's in handcuffs. 
Mark Morris turned himself in immediately. Uh, the first thing I can say to you is it was a tremendous set uh, of fear what the future is going to hold, and I'm, I'm going to be going to jail. And relief, incredible, incredible relief. This huge weight off my shoulders. Moore's pleads guilty to securities and bank fraud. He is sentenced to eight years in federal prison. And Minko? He's interviewed on 60 Minutes and denies it all. He says that he was the one who was duped. The charges against him are all false. No, I thought I knew what was going on. That everything was perfect. A jury does not believe him. He is convicted on 57 counts and sentenced to 25 years. He thought the whole process was a joke and that uh, it was a game for, uh, for Barry. He was uh, just an arrogant uh, young man uh, that had no responsibility and a, a broken a set of values. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. It is now 1995. Barry Minko has been granted an early release from federal prison for good behavior. He is leaving the halfway house where he served his final months, declaring his remorse. Actions have consequences. There's no uh, lasting meaning, contentment, or peace in a life that puts uh, money above people. Wait, what happened to the Barry Minko we used to know? People can change because God changes people. Oh, he found God in prison. He earns a degree from Jerry Falwell's Liberty University. And soon he becomes a pastor at the San Diego Community Bible Church. Father, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Debbie Roller is a member. As churchgoers, we believe you go to church for grace. And um, Barry was really great about promoting grace in the church. And so he was given grace, and he taught us how to give grace. Minko is so effective as a minister, the church grows 10 times under his leadership. I pray for the encouragement of grace, just like you showed it to me when I didn't deserve it. From the start, he tells the congregation the details of his past. We said we were doing these huge restoration contracts that we never did, and we created 20,000 fraudulent documents with whiteout and copy machines. And he is forgiven. That was the old him, you know. So we look at him in a different light because as churchgoers, that's what we're asked to do is to look at people in, in God's eyes. At one point, a member of the church asks Minko to look into an investment scheme. When Minko finds evidence of fraud that results in an indictment, he discovers that a former fraudster can become a fraud fighter. To me, he starts to a radio the show. Of the truth. This is Barry Minko. You're listening to Fraud Biz. And a series of videos. And he has a business, the Fraud Discovery Institute, that exposes million-dollar scams and he sometimes works as a source for the FBI. It was a Ponzi scheme in the mutual fund that didn't exist. As a result of his good deeds, 
Minko is released from the requirement of his restitution. And once again, the news media is captivated by the story of Barry Minko. By 2005, he is back on 60 Minutes. He searches public records, employs private detectives, and goes undercover. In his media appearances, Minko says he is doing this work because he cares deeply about investors losing money and stopping scams. Every day I don't do something, somebody's pouring money into this deal. But in time, Minko adds another motive, to make some money for Barry Minko. By 2007, his Fraud Discovery Institute is taking on publicly traded companies like USANA Health Services. He creates websites and videos to spread his allegations of fraud, even interviewing victims. You're thinking some things um, uh, to describe your experience with USANA. Disappointment? Oh, yes. So, so much disappointment. Minko looks concerned, but he is also looking to make a profit. What most people don't know is that before he releases his report, Minko shorts stock in USANA. That means he is betting that the stock price will go down when the news media reports his allegations. Ryan O'Quinn is a former assistant U.S. attorney. Because of the persona that he'd cultivated, he had the ability to impact people's views of a company. So when Barry Minkow issued a public statement, he was often able to use some very large microphones to get that information out. And those large microphones allowed him to have a very real market impact. Following Minko's report, USANA's stock price does go down. And because he has a short position in USANA stock, the lower the stock falls, the more money he makes. But he doesn't quit there. His next move is to meet with the company executives and offer a retraction for a price. And that's particularly telling to me because it identifies how strongly he holds those fraud allegations. If you truly believe those statements to be true, you would not be inclined to retract those statements in exchange for compensation. They lost money because they were doomed to fail and never knew it up front. But reportedly, some companies do pay hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get Barry Minko to stop talking. In the fall of 2008 in Miami, executives at the Lennar Corporation, one of the country's largest home builders, are dealing with a crashing housing market. They don't know that clear across the country in California, another kind of trouble is brewing. It is instigated by this man, real estate developer Nicholas Marsh. For nine years, he and Lennar develop a luxury home community called The Bridges. Marsh has paid tens of millions of dollars on the project, but he claims he has owed more, hundreds of millions of dollars more. Stuart Miller is the CEO of Lennar, a company founded by his father. By 2008, um, we are finding that we're being sued by Nick Marsh. Uh, we can't quite put our finger on where this is coming from, except for the fact that the economy is spiraling downward and Nick Marsh has run out of money. His lawsuits are moving slowly. And so in July, Marsh takes matters into his own hands. He sends a four-page letter to Lennar's board, charging the company with malfeasance, what he calls dirty little secrets. And what is interesting is he says in the letter to our directors that unless, unless the company resolves these matters to his satisfaction, very nebulous standard, 
to his satisfaction, he's going to reveal these dirty little secrets to the public and to the authorities. This is a clear threat. Lennar responds by suing Marsh for extortion. And that leads Marsh to bring in the biggest gun he can find, Barry Minko. In December, Minko and Marsh entered into an agreement. Minko promises to launch an all-out expose on Lennar that will have a devastating impact on their stock. The idea was that they would publish false allegations against Lennar and about Lennar's business. And the stock would crater and Lennar would submit to Marsh's demands. In early December, Marsh approves the plan, and in just one month's time, Minko's allegedly exhaustive investigation of Lennar is good to go. He contacts agents he knows at the FBI. And then he contacts reporters who trust him, and also Wall Street analysts who cover Lennar's stock. Barry used those relationships to promise a news story that would be coming out by 60 Minutes, an investigative news program that would reveal that these allegations were both uh, under investigation and, uh, and truthful. Minko launches his attack on January 9th. He has a 30-page report posted on a website named lenron.com, equating Lennar to the Enron scandal. And he posts a video on YouTube. Hi, I'm Barry Minko, the co-founder of the Fraud Discovery Institute, and I'm here to introduce our top 10 red flags for fraud at Lennar Corporation. He gets the immediate reaction he is looking for. We've got to go to Diana Holick right now with breaking news from Washington. Diana? Well, that's right, Mark. Lennar's stock is moving lower today on an internet report from Barry Minko and the Fraud Discovery Institute. He says. Well, I remember it distinctly. I uh, woke up on January 9th of 2009, and my daily routine get ready for work. I'm watching CNBC, and part of the news is that there is unusual movement in Lennar's stock attributable to a press release um, by Barry Minkow. This catches me completely by surprise. With Lennar Corporation, we are forced to do what the victims may not have the money left to do or the will, and that is stand up to them and say, we know fraud, and you're just fraud. Almost immediately, Miller learns that Minko is acting as a spokesperson for Nicholas Marsh, and he knows that this is not about money anymore. In terms of reputation, they say it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and a minute to lose one, and this was one of those minutes where the rug of reputation was pulled out from under us. It was incumbent on us to act in a way to preserve all that we'd built over all those years. Shares of home builder Linar taking a big hit today on allegations of fraud. The allegations were absurd that Linar is a financial crime in progress, that uh, it operates a Ponzi scheme. I mean, Linar had has been in business for over half a century, one of the uh, leading uh, uh, home builders in, in the nation, uh, a public company since the 70s. Uh, so it made no sense. The allegations that were made by Barry Minkow were in many instances flat out false or misleading. For instance, an allegation that the Federal Bureau of Investigation was investigating that Lennar was a Ponzi scheme may in fact have been true. 
However, he omitted to mention the fact that the reason that the FBI was investigating those allegations was because he himself had made those allegations. And many of the allegations are a kind of wild conjecture. Corporate fraud comes from an environment of fraud at the highest levels. We found a very interesting transaction with Mr. Jaffe, the chief operating officer of Lennar Corporation. One of the red flags that Barry put out there was that supposedly I had improperly obtained a loan for my personal home. And what we found, and that is contained in our report, is that Mr. Jaffe got a loan from a Mr. Venary, and Mr. Venary is connected with Lennar and SunCal in Kern County. And so he made up this story that makes no sense at all, that somehow money went from A to B and B to C and then back to me through a back door. By late in the afternoon, there can be no doubt that Minko's plot is working. Trading volume in Lennar's stock options is more than 30 times what it is on a normal day. Shares of home builder Lennar absolutely tanking today. The stock's down 20%. It all started Finally, Miller tries to grab the microphone away from Barry Minko and point the finger at Nicholas Marsh. We have subsequently filed litigation in Florida against this litigant who has been trying to extort money from the company. But he cannot stop the slide. In that first day, in stock price alone, I believe that what was lost was approximately $350 million of shareholder value. These are innocent people who lost money by being invested in Lennar Corporation. And that was just the first day. Minko keeps the blast up all week. If you look at our stock activity through the next days, I think all told, somewhere around a half a billion dollars of stock value was lost as a direct response to the allegations made. And what's in it for Barry Minko? According to his agreement with Nicholas Marsh, he stands to take in as much as $2 million. And Minko needs that money to fund the biggest act of self-promotion one can imagine. In 1987, Barry Minko makes a short video about his success as a carpet cleaner. Bet on me. Now, more than 25 years later, he is trying again to produce his own story. This time, he is hoping for a blockbuster. You are hereby ordered to serve a term of 25 years in jail. It's a full-blown Hollywood production, starring famous actors like James Caan, and also starring Barry Minko. It will cost several million dollars, which may be a reason in 2009, Minko needs Lennar Corporation to pay him to retract his allegations against the company. But he is in for a fight. On January 9th, 2009, when he attacked our reputation, we were never interested in settling with him for one dollar. It just wasn't going to happen. But Minko and his partner, Nicholas Marsh, try. At one point, Lennar's attorney, Dan Petricelli, gets a call from Nick Marsh's attorney and suggests a meeting with Minko. You have this perfunctory meeting where you talk about the accusations. He realizes the error of his ways, and he then agrees to issue a retraction. And when he issues the retraction, the stock will go back up. I said, I see. And uh, what are we supposed to do in return? Well, you're supposed to give us money and Lennar stock. Lennar stock? Really? Accepting Lennar stock in exchange for a retraction 
runs directly contrary to the idea that Barry believed that Lenore was a Ponzi scheme. No one would accept stock in a corporation if they truly believed that it was a fraud. Petrocelli turns down the offer, and Minko tries to negotiate for himself. Sometime in April, Barry Minkow reached out to us to talk to us and have a discussion about settling in some way uh, or maybe recasting what he was saying uh, towards something more truthful. It is Easter weekend. Pastor Minko is in Las Vegas shooting his movie. Lennar Chief Operating Officer John Jaffe and Lennar's attorney Dan Petrocelli meet him in his hotel room on Good Friday to show him box loads of documents that prove his allegations wrong. His response was, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Look at that. No, Marsh never told me that. I didn't realize that. After doing that, we sit down with him and he says, well, you know what? I'm ready to resolve this. I'm ready to make a retraction. All it's going to take is $1 million. That's all. Just give me $1 million. The next day, Jaffe gets an email from Minko. He says he's sending it to me, not as the Barry Minkow that's attacking us, but as the Barry Minkow who's a pastor. And he apologizes for the personal um, harm and pain he's caused my family. The next day, Easter Sunday, Dan Petricelli gets a phone call from Barry Minkow's attorney saying, you know what? You won't give us a million. How about 250? And we refer to that as the Easter discount. Rejected again, Minko and Marsh get a new idea as headlines across the country announce expansion of a U.S. government probe into executives accused of dodging taxes by putting money into offshore accounts. He launched a release that suggested that myself and John Jaffe, our chief operating officer, had offshore bank accounts. He had no factual background, no factual basis for making the allegation, and John Jaffe and myself never had an offshore bank account of any sort in our lives. But guess who does have secret bank accounts? That's right, it's Barry Minko. Right here at his own church, the nationally renowned fraud fighter has been up to his old tricks, forging documents so that he can embezzle millions of dollars from people who trust him implicitly. Mark Pennybaker is a special agent for the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Mr. Minko fraudulently opened bank accounts in the name of the church without anyone at the church knowing about it. In all, he opens 12 secret accounts allowing Minko to take any check made payable to the church and use that money for himself. In some cases, Mr. Mr. Minko would essentially steal the checks right from the offering plate. And so members of his church think they are supporting the services the church provides but they are really funding Barry Minko's movie. The money got siphoned off in cash to pay for the set, to pay for the actors, to pay for you know any number of these various things it takes to fund by yourself a Hollywood movie. In one poignant exchange, Minko convinces a grieving husband to make a $75,000 donation to a charity in Sudan in memory of his late wife. But the money never makes it to Africa. Barry Minko steals it. It shows he actually has no compassion for anyone. It shows that he would steal money absolutely from anyone in any situation in my mind. 
in the case of Lennar Corporation. For months, press releases from Barry Minko's Fraud Discovery Institute blast the Lennar Corporation. He claims they build with illegal Chinese drywall. They don't pay their taxes. Lennar answers every charge, offering detailed reports on why the allegations are untrue. But Minko presses on. In March 2009, he checks in with the FBI agents who received his report. He reached out to those agents to try to confirm that there was, in fact, an, an investigation instigated by his report. The FBI confirms its investigation. And Minko acknowledges that the information they give him is non-public and that to trade Lennar's stock with that information would be illegal. It would be insider trading. And then, three days later, Minko buys 150 contracts for options on Lennar's stock, betting the stock price will fall. He tried to conceal his trades by using other people to open accounts and to engage in trades but it was, in its end, Barry's egotism and his desire to control the scheme that forced him to inject himself into the transactions and expose his direct participation in those trades. What Minko fails to remember is that stockbrokers record phone conversations with their clients, and his calls on the deals are recorded. He also didn't count on the tenacity of the FBI agents looking into his story. In any fraud case, uh, you look for the lies and you follow the money. And it's following the money that uh, led us to the trading accounts. There may have been others, but the trade that is found from March 2009 is enough to charge Minko with conspiracy to commit securities fraud. In 2011, he is called in for a debriefing session with the feds. I believe the turning point uh, during that session, uh, one when we re revealed that there was um, a recording of his having executed trades. And at that point, they asked for a recess, and it was after that that he agreed to plead guilty. Minko comes clean entirely, saying his allegations against Lennar and its executives are false. Nothing more than an attempt to extort money out of the company. We didn't see it coming. We didn't know it was happening. And moment in time, the, the entire circumstance had turned around uh, from a years-long effort of listening to accusations, diligencing them, and then responding. It was now over. It was game over. Minko is sentenced to five years in prison and ordered to pay Lennar Corporation $580 million in restitution. Nicholas Marsh is not charged criminally, but his tactic against Lennar costs him a bundle. Remember the original lawsuit he brought, saying Lennar owed him millions? Every one of Marsh's accusations was found uh, to be invalid, and in fact, the uh, the court determined that Marsh owed Lennar uh, lots of money. And when Lennar's extortion case against Marsh and Minko goes to trial, a jury awards compensatory and punitive damage against Marsh in the stunning amount of $1 billion. Many ask, did the system work? And I have to give kind of a two-sided answer to that and say, on the one hand, Barry Minkow's in jail, Nick Marsh has a billion-dollar judgment against him. Um, and that would seem like vindication. Uh, 
But the road to get there is very bumpy and very, very expensive. In San Diego, at the Community Bible Church, as members learn that Minko was lying in his stunt against Lennar, they look into the church's coffers. That's when all the questions and all those stories started to come out. You know, I gave $75,000 for this. I gave this much money, and it's not in my records, and it's not in their records. For one of Minko's congregants, who prefers not to be identified, the news of Minko's wrongdoing is particularly devastating. She has loaned him her life savings. I feel terrible. I feel embarrassed. It's so stupid of me to allow him to, to do this to me. Over many months, Minko positions himself well in her life, counseling her daughters in times of need. I thought he's helping my children and he was my pastor. <laughs> and as, as I always said, I, if you can't trust your pastor, who can you trust? And then he moves in with a need of his own. He came to me and asked to borrow. I think first it was $150,000. He said he had stocks, but he was not able to get them out at the time, so he needed cash. And this 150,000 was to go towards finishing the movie. A month later, he's back. He wants $100,000, another loan. I really, truly believe that I would get my money back. I mean, I'm not a gambling person. Some people say, well, you were investing. I said, no, it was a loan. But now Minko is headed to jail, and she knows she will never see the money he took from her. I might lose my house. I was living pretty comfortably before he came along. And now he's, uh, he's devastated my financial security. When the final accounting is done, it is found that Minko embezzled $3 million from the church over a 10-year period. He pleads guilty to bank, wire, and mail fraud. At Minko's sentencing hearing, the victims come forward to make sure the judge understands the damage he has done. He caused such a dissension. Some people walked away from God, from church, family. Barry Minko is sentenced to five years for the Lennar fraud, along with another five years for the crimes against his church. In his letter to the court, Minko writes that his greed was not for money, but for attention. Perhaps it goes back to those early interviews in the garage in Reseda, where the 16-year-old boy discovers the thrill of being in the spotlight. And for the next 30 years, he was director and star of The Barry Minko Show, a long-running series of dirty deeds. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.